Let's look here in Daniel chapter 6 tonight, and we'll begin reading in uh, verse number 10, and uh, going to try to finish this um, message, and next week, Lord willing, we get into Daniel chapter 7, uh, we get into some of the real prophetical uh, aspects of this book, and as I said, though, all of this book has got prophecy in it, but this chapter is one of the more practical chapters in the book of Daniel, and I'd say probably one of the most famous uh, stories in the Bible, Daniel in the lion's den. But make no mistake, this is not about Daniel. It's not about the lions. It's about the God of Daniel who delivered him from the lions. And uh, I'm glad the same God that delivered Daniel from his adversaries can deliver us from ours. And I'm glad that in the day that we live, there's still power in prayer. There's something, there's one thing you can do that nobody can stop you from doing. Pray. Amen. They can't stop you. They can lock you up, they can, they, but they can't make you not pray. And uh, let's look at verse number 10. The Bible says this, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house, and his windows being open in his chamber, towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. And gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Father, I pray that you'd help me tonight, Lord. I pray the thoughts, Lord, that you've allowed me to meditate upon this week and think about. I pray that you'd bring them back to my mind. And I pray, Lord, that as I preach, Lord, that you'd preach not only to those that are here, but I pray it preach to me. Lord, if I had one great failure, I know, Lord, that it'd be praying. And I pray you'd challenge me and I pray you'd challenge us to be a praying church. Lord, I pray that as we hear this story tonight, that you'd make it real to each and every one of us and realize that the God of Daniel, He's the God of this church, and He's the God of every believer present tonight. Lord, there's no mountain tonight. There's no problem. There's no fiery furnace. There's no hungry line. Lord, that you can't fix, that you can't solve if we'll just pray and pray with faith and pray believing. And I pray, God, tonight you'd help us now. You know me better than I know myself. Lord, you know that I don't deserve. Lord, I've not earned the right to stand here. But God, you've appointed it tonight for me to be the one that opens the bread of life and preaches. And I pray you give me that power that only you can give now. And Lord, I trust you to give me that which I stand in need of. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. The Bible says in verse 10, And his windows being open. Last week, I began kind of an introduction to this chapter about the open window. The open window. Here is the secret to Daniel's life. His window being open. You know, tonight, if, a, if an emergency were to come or a crisis were to arise unexpectedly, if you were to leave the church and go to your car and your phone uh, had a notification and maybe just, uh, I, I don't want to, uh, upset anybody, but just think the worst thing you could possibly find out if you were to find out it, 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 tonight when we left the church and you had to go get a hold of God, would your window already be open or would you have to pry it open? Would you have to push it? You see, that's what I'm trying to get to tonight. Daniel's window had been open for over 60 years. And when he needed, when he needed to get a hold of God, when he needed... Uh, to get help, he found it because his window was already open. I was blessed and, and, and I'm privileged. I, I don't know how to exactly put it, but 
the heritage that I've had, the preachers that God allowed me to grow up under and to learn from and to watch and the people like Miss Patsy Henderson and a, a Brother Amos Stover. He was another man that was a singer, a lot like the Henderson. Those type of people, you know what their, the secret was? It wasn't their education. It wasn't their talent. It wasn't their, uh, you know, it wasn't their, uh, what they call it, their connections, you know, that they made. It was the fact that they were people who had an open window where they went to God, not here and there or, or on one day and not, but day in and day out, week after week, month after month, they went and they let God know what they needed in their life. But here, I want you to see this. I'm going to hurry. Verse 10. I want, to show, I want to show you this tonight, that there is a lesson about problems. Problems. The Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. You know, a lot of times we quit praying when problems arise. But Daniel just kept on praying. Did you know this tonight? Daniel had been praying for a long time. And he said, okay, the king signed the decree that I cannot pray for 30 days. He said, I'm not going to wait 30 minutes. I'm not going to wait three hours. But he went to the same place. He went to the same window. And he said, I'm going to do like I've always done, whether the king says I can or not. Now listen to me. Daniel was still fighting the same problems that he fought as a 20-year-old boy. Did you ever think when you were young, that, man, when I get older, you know, I won't have to worry about this and I won't have to worry about that. And, and you know, once I get a car, I remember being 14, I thought, when I finally get me a car, all my problems are over. <laughs> Don't have to ride that bicycle. I promise you, I put more miles on a bicycle than most people put on their vehicles. I did. We'd ride that. I'd ride to the sweat. And there was no limits on how far I'd ride. I mean, we'd go. If, if I could get there in a day's journey, I'd ride that bicycle. And I thought, man, when I get a car and I can actually go and I can do everything. But you know, the truth of the matter is, I'm 38 years old tonight. And I'm still fighting some of the same battles I fought as a 16 and a 15 year old boy. Amen. You know, there's three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And they don't go away. Now, Daniel was 80 years old. He had already told Nebuchadnezzar his dream. He had already survived the Belshazzar, that evil king. He had already been promoted to the president over the presidents by Darius, the Medes and Persians. And you'd think if anybody had earned the privilege of having no trouble, it would be Daniel. But in the twilight years of his ministry, trouble found him yet again. I want you to know tonight, problems are going to come. Decrees are going to be signed. Kings are going to rise up against us. And men and women are going to scheme to, to see our fall. But the, the question is not if trouble's going to come, but what are we going to do when problems arise? A lesson about problems. Look at verse 10. There's a lesson about a place. It said he went into his house. He went to his house. One man said this. He said, wherever God's children have a tent, God must have an altar. I want to ask you this tonight. Do you have a place where you pray? 
Now, you know, the Bible says that Jesus said, well, now prayers go in, shut the door, go in our closet, shut the door. That doesn't mean you have to pray in a closet. I, I think I mentioned this last week. Someone said, hey, I don't have a closet. Where am I supposed to pray? But, Larry, but I believe it is important that we have somewhere where we talk to God. There ought to be somewhere in our home or somewhere. It could be in your truck seat going to, you know, my lawnmower during the summer. That's my place. That's where I talk to God. And I, and I talk about I, all my problems. And I, get, and, and, I, and I say everything. I get it off my chest, you know, because you got 3,600 RPMs of uh, 35 horsepower Kawasaki and nobody hears it. But that's my place. You say, oh, that can't be your place. Well, you can think that if you want to. But I, I promise you 75% of the things that I preach behind this pulpit, God gives me on that lawnmower. And I'm saying tonight that we all need... To, the Bible said he went to his house. He went to his house. He didn't go down to the where all the presidents were. He didn't go try to begin to uh, uh, scheme and to talk and to politic. He said, I've got to get home because he knew at his house he had a place where he got a hold of God. As I said, as a young man, the Lord allowed me to be under some great men. And one thing that really changed my life was my daddy gave me a, just a pile of preaching tapes. I mean, a pile of them. And, and I mean, a ton of them. And my dad, I promise you, and, and I don't say this mad or bitter, I'm not bitter, but I promise you that, the, that if you took all the advice he gave me in my life and put it together, you could probably fit it on one page of your Bible. He didn't, he didn't give it, but when he gave advice, it was good advice. And he gave me them tapes and he said, you need to listen to these if you want to preach. And so, Brother Chad, I began to listen to those men, and every one of them, they'd talk about the same thing. They'd talk about getting the power of God. They'd talk about praying and seeking the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And that's not Pentecostal, by the way. There's a lot of people who have the Spirit, but they're not filled with the Spirit. And they'd talk about praying, and, and not just praying, but laboring in prayer. And the Bible says the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And, and listen, I didn't know what they were talking about and, 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 and I'm, glad, I'm glad God gave me them my daddy gave me them tapes because if he'd given me Rod Parsley or T.D. Jakes I would have gone out there and tried to speak in tongues. I was desperate you know what I'm saying and, and, I, and I had listen I had a place where I'd go my daddy he bought me uh, us I say but it was primarily my a little Yamaha Bear Tracker 220 two wheel drive he couldn't get four wheel drive because it might break you know what I mean uh, but anyhow and, and I'd get on that Bear tracker and I'd ride as far back in the woods as I could and all I didn't know how to ask God for his touch I didn't know I didn't know I didn't know you know I, I heard those preachers talk about the time when God put his head and man I was wanting one of them type of experiences you know brother Larry and I get out there and say oh I want I want to feel something I want to see something I just pray and pray until I couldn't pray no more and I'd open my eyes and I'd say man nothing happened and I just keep and I'd pray a little longer and I'd open my eyes and nothing happened. And I pray a little longer and nothing would happen. I'd get on the four-wheeler, defeat it, and drive back to the house. And I'd do it again. I'm talking about every day. Day after day after day. But I can take you tonight to the place on a Wednesday night when I stood in the pulpit and when God for the first time allowed me to feel and experience His touch. And I said, oh, oh I'm so glad. I, I, I thought it was like what, what they call that an epiphany. Is that what it's called? I was like, that's what they were talking about. And what I'm saying tonight is we need a place where 
We get a hold of God. That window changed Daniel. The reason he could stand before kings is because he was willing to kneel before that window. Less about a place. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. I want to ask you this. Where is Jesus' temple right now? <laughs> your temple, your body. I know, you know, the church. Let me tell you something. The Bible says, "What your body is the temple, the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have in God. You're not your own. So listen, shouldn't our body be a house of prayer? A place. A lesson about priorities. Listen. It said his window being open. This wasn't the first time Daniel prayed. I believe that every day, three times a day, at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock, for 60 years, he prayed. Now, the Jewish, in the Jewish calendar, there's 360 days. So if you want to do the math, uh, 360 times 60, that's 18,000, 21,600 times 3, that's 63,000. Just want you to know I'm not as dumb as some people think I am. 63,000 times, 63,000 times he knelt at that, at that window. And you say, but brother James, I'm so busy. I'm trying to work a job. I'm trying to run my business. I'm trying to run my home. I got to mow the yard. I've got to clean the house. I got to wash the dishes. He was the president of the presidents of the ba of Babylon but he still found time you don't make time you gotta take time and at 9 o'clock in the morning he'd say hold on men y'all go y'all take a break we've gotta quit talking about this uh, this garden we're trying to build or we've got we, it's gotta wait for a moment he'd run in that room he'd shut the door he'd swing open the window he'd say oh God I want you to know I'm here in Babylon but I want you to know I still believe your word. I still believe you're going to bring us out of this place one day. He'd go back outside. All right, boys, let's talk a little bit longer. 12 o'clock would come and the Babylonians would start smoking the pig and bringing out the sausage and the bacon. He'd say, I'm not going to eat today. Y'all have lunch without me. He'd go back in there. He'd shut the door, open the window. He'd say, here I am again, Lord. I just want you to know I still look three times a day for 60 years. He never stopped going to that window. All of us in here can, can say we're too busy. But none of us can say we, were as, we are as busy as Daniel was. <clears throat> if we wait, listen, if we wait until the decrees are signed to start praying, we've waited too long. How long has it been since your window was open. I remember when Ginger was born, we, she was our first one, you know? I mean, we was like, huh. we didn't know what to do with her. I'm serious. I'd go in there and look at her while she was asleep, make sure she was breathing. Now they can be turning blue in the face. I'm just like, ah, oh, they'll get over it, you know, just kick them up. But anyway. But she got sick, real sick. She had that CRV, is that what it's called? RSV. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And she wouldn't eat nothing. And Kim was worried to death. 
and she wasn't eating that. She just, I mean, she was just sick. I mean, bones and, and uh, I mean, I, I, we didn't, I mean, we felt bad. We felt like it was our fault. And uh, Kim, I was at work. I'll never forget this. I was at work and, and, and Kim called. She was crying. She said, you got to come right now. She said, they called from Vanderbilt. They had done some tests on her and sent them to Vanderbilt. And she said, they want us to come to the cystic fibrosis floor. And Kim's, all three of her nieces and nephews have cystic fibrosis, and it's a genetic thing. And they tested both, and we both had the, 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 whatever you call it. To, so, and, and the first thing we thought, and she said that, Brother Justin, I'm telling you, you don't have to believe it if you don't want to. But I was standing there at Murfreesboro Water Sewer. I didn't go home, but in my mind, the window flew open. And we, and we started praying and we had to go up there. I'll never forget it. We had to go up there. If you think, you think you have it rough right now, go to Vanderbilt. Go to St. Jude's and go up there on one of those floors where children has got uh, tubes in their nose. They can't breathe and their hair's fall. And we had to go up there and that doctor took that little girl and began to poke a poke on her and test her. And I, I mean, I was thinking to myself, I, I, I don't know. Well, what am I going to do? And, and, I mean, that's a death sentence in case you don't know. If if they have that disease, it's a death sentence. And, and Brother Aaron, we, it was such a relief when they said, oh, she's just got this and she's going to be all right. And, and I'm, not, I'm not here promoting myself. I'm just telling you that that window can change your life. Yeah. It said in verse 10, he kneeled down upon his knees. He kneeled upon his knees. There's a lesson about posture. I'm 38, and it's not easy for me to get down on my knees. Well, going down is easier than coming back. Brother Justin and myself and Brother Gavin, we called out some of them boys. Where y'all going? Uh-uh. We called out the boys at camp, said three on three, bring it on. And Brother Jamarcus was there, wasn't he? And Jamarcus is as wide as he is tall. And, and we won, but I'm just going to tell you, it was by the skin of our teeth. It took, and after that game, uh, we fell down. <laughs> he hit Brother Justin. No, he hit Gavin. Brother Gavin one time. And Brother Gavin went rolling. I mean, it looked like a beach ball going across the court. And, and, and I, thought, I thought real quick, I'm thinking, I hope no, no more of these boys try to call us out because I'm just going to we're gonna have to forfeit. But, but 80 years old, Drew, and Daniel went in his room and he got down on those old feeble knees. What I'm saying, listen to me. You can pray standing up. You can pray walking. You can pray driving. But it's not getting on your knees does not have no special power. But you know what it is? It's a sign of humility. Daniel in 60 years had not let pride creep into his heart. Daniel was the chief of the three presidents, but he still knew that God was greater than him. A lot of people, listen, I'm going to move along. They get in the work of God and they experience a little success and they, also, they, all, they, all, they all of a sudden begin to think that they're greater than God. None of us, none of us are bigger than to be able to bow our knee before the Lord. He knelt, he knelt before God. F.B. Meyer said this, he said that in the beginning of his Christian life that he thought the gifts and the, the rewards and the blessings of God 
were on high shelves that you had to get up a little bit higher and a little bit and the higher you got and the, and the further you went up for God, the better the gifts got and the better the blessings got. But he said as an old man, he said, I've learned that the best gifts that God has are not up on the top shelf, but they're down on the bottom shelf. And the lower you go and the more humble you become. And, and listen, did you know, do you know tonight some of the mightiest Christians I've ever known were the most humble people that ever walked the face of the earth? Verse 10, there's a lesson about persistence. Three times a day. Three times a day. Persistence. We give up too soon. Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh find him that knocketh it shall be opened unto you. Sixty years, day in, day out. And he kept on praying. And he kept on praying. And listen, there's some people out here tonight, you've been praying for something for 10 years or 20 years. And I'm not mocking. I'm saying we can't give up. We can't give up. We've got to keep going back and going back and going back. And says this, and he gave thanks. There's a lesson about praise. You know, a lot of times this is what we treat prayer like. It's like God's slot machine. We put our token in, pull, and we get something back. We just move from want, one want to another without ever giving God one ounce of praise. Daniel praised God even though he knew his life was about to be turned upside down. I want to say this, if I wait until everything's right in my life to praise God, I never will. And too many times we come into church and we're waiting on something. We're waiting on somebody. We're waiting on, we're waiting on the song that we've been hoping they'd sing or we're waiting on the preacher to preach a certain message or we're waiting to feel a certain way. I want you to know Daniel wasn't feeling too good right about now. Daniel was not in I mean he he, he knew that in, a, in just a short while they were going to come for him and drag him to that lion's den but Daniel said whether I feel like it or not whether I want to or not whether everything's good or everything's bad I still need to give God thanks for what he's done for me yeah. Amen. he may not deliver me from the lions but he has delivered me in the past and he's done enough for me to thank him for from now until the end Lesson about praise. Verse 11 through 28. I'm done. There's only like 17 verses. I want you to see there's a lesson about power. There's power in prayer. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. You preach, and I don't want us preachers. Us preachers, we can read all we want to read, study all we want to study, and I'm not against that. I'm not downplaying that. But without prayer, without prayer, we're nothing, and what we say has no effect. And listen, you can take a message and, and, and preach it without the power of God, and people will sit there and yawn and go to sleep, and we get mad at everybody, but a lot of times it's our own fault for them not. If we had the power of God on us, if we had the touch of God on us, they wouldn't be nodding off. They'd be kneeling down and getting right with God. Look at this. It calmed his fears. The power of God comes from 11 through 17. No running. No resisting. 
Daniel was not worried. He didn't try to talk his way out of it. Prayer can calm our fears. The men, verse 11, says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication for his God. You know what they found Daniel doing? They found Daniel doing what they thought they'd find him doing. And I want you to know this tonight. Your neighbors, they look out on Wednesday night. You know what they expect to find you doing? Going to church. You know what they expect to find you on Sunday morning? Going to church. They expect to see you with that Bible in your hand. And you say, oh, I'm not doing it for them. Of course you're not doing it for them. But we are, that's, that, listen, are we not the light of the world? Are we not the soul of the earth? And listen, you say, I can't witness. You can witness. You know how you can witness is by getting out and putting that Bible under your arm and saying, I don't feel like going. I, there's a hundred places I'd rather go, but I'm going to go because that's where I need to go. I'll be honest, I've thought about quitting preaching a million times. But I thought, what would, the, what would all these people I've told about Jesus think? What would they, how, all these people I've been trying to witness to, what, what if they got word? How would I explain to them? I'm not preaching no more. What, would the, what if these men had come to Daniel's room, opened the door and the window was shut? And Daniel was kicked back. And he had a calendar and it had day number one with an X. He said, 29 more days and I'm going to... And by the way, we ought to obey the laws of the land to a certain point. But when the decrees of Darius conflict with the decrees of God, we ought to obey God rather than man. Anyhow, thought I'd say that. Said that for Brother Justin. I knew he had lied that. Yes, sir. They found him. Verse 14, 15, you see the distress of the king. He tried everything he could to undo this. He didn't want to do this, but he got talked into it. Let me just say this. I'm moving along. We got like seven minutes to official Wednesday night prayer meeting times over according to uh, Baptist Church chapter 1, verse 25. Boys, listen to me. You better be careful what you sign your name to. He didn't have the discernment. He didn't have the foresight. He didn't have the, the wisdom to see what these men were doing. And when he signed his name, he was signing Daniel's death sentence. And I want you to know tonight, you, you don't need to be, these men pressured him, these men manipulated him, and by the way, you can apply this however you want. If, if you, however you want to make application, go ahead. But I want you to know that no man, woman, boy or girl ought to be able to influence you to put your name on something that you don't know is absolutely right. You want to know why? He paid for signing his name on that. You know them three, them presidents that talked him into doing it? When Daniel was in the lines, and you know what they was doing? They were sleeping just fine. But you know what that king was doing? He, was, he had to live with the consequences of signing that paper. The distress, the decision was made. Finally, he tried all day to get out of it, and they, th they finally said, I can't get out of it. I'm going to have to do it. In verse number 16, then the king commanded, they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lines. Now the king spake and said, Daniel, thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Isn't that a wonderful thing to say? A lost man said about Daniel, you serve God all the time and he'll deliver you. <laughs> and then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither instrument music brought. 
before him and his sleep went from Listen, prayer confirmed his faith. Faith becomes sight for Daniel. He said, I believe God will do me, but you know when it becomes reality? When his feet hit the bottom of the floor. And there's old Leo the lion. And there's his girlfriend Lucy. Now them lions hadn't been fed in several days. And them lions, Brother Larry, it was like they had a bridle on them. And they were sitting there just looking at him. And he was looking at them. One man said, oh, Lucy and Leo had two little cubs come out and they looked at him. And Daniel looked around. You think what you want, but I think a tear come to his eye. He said, God, an 80-year-old man, isn't it good that God will preserve his children? There's no throwaways with God. He don't send his people off to retirement home. But until their very last day, Daniel's big days were gone. They were all behind him. But God said, I'm going to preserve you now just like I preserved you before. Can you imagine somewhere in that Babylon there was some kid been hearing them lions roar? all week long and all of a sudden they went quiet and his mama said they ate the preacher but they didn't eat the preacher you know what the Lord the Bible says Drew God sent his angel not a angel but his angel there's a lot of discussion about this who it was I mean I think it was the same one he sent to the fiery furnace you believe what you want They're all through the Old Testament there's uh, uh, pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus Christ but in, I don't know whether or not he didn't just send any he sent his angel and that angel said hush your mouth Leo hush your mouth Lucy he's off limits and by the way I don't care how hungry them lions are wanting to eat you when God shuts their mouth they can't get there they can't lay their mouth on you I think he laid down with them lions and he laid there and went to sleep while the king couldn't go to sleep all night long that's called the peace of God. Amen. Did you know the only way, place you can find that is not in a psychologist's couch, is not in a pharmacy, it's not in a liquor store, it's not at the end of a blunt or a, or a pipe or a needle. It's on the prayer on your knees before the open window. Amen. He conquered his foes. Verse 24, this is good. The Bible says this, and the king commanded... Well, they called him and King said, Oh, Daniel, tell me you're alive. King, live forever. Hallelujah. That's what Daniel said. He said, God sent his angel. He said, I ain't got a scratch on me one. I, they ain't even slobbered on me. I mean, I don't think them lions even grunted at him. I don't think they even bucked at him. Not even an ounce. They, they, I mean, he was petting them. They, I think they got down there and was playing fetch with them rock. And just, I mean, they just had the biggest time there's ever been. And they pulled him out. And, and, and Daniel said, here I am. And they got to looking over him. They said, come here, come here, Daniel. Come here, Daniel. Come here, Daniel. I can't believe. He, look, he, open your mouth. Oh, oh my. He ain't got, he ain't got a scratch on him. And Daniel said, my God, my God. He didn't say, well, I was such a holy man of God and I got down there and I was so sanctified that those lines bowed before. He said, my God. He, what he was saying is, hey, Darius, the same God in chapter one that made me 10 times better than all the other Hebrew boys. He come where I was. He shut their mouth and I'm alive because of it. It gets better. The king said, hey, y'all go find them boys. 
that made me sign that paper. I need, I've got something to do with it. And he said, don't just get them. Get their children and their entire house. And the Bible says, He that diggeth a pit shall fall therein. And he that rolleth a stone, it'll roll back on him. And the Bible says in Ezra, they hung Haman on the gallows that he made for Mordecai. And the Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, Darius took those same men and threw them in that same pit. But something snapped. Leo and Lucy and their two babies, they were hungry now and they devoured them. All I'm saying is this. Daniel never said a word to those men. He never, he never fought those men. He never argued with those men. But you know what he done? He gave place to God. He allowed God to have room to work. And when it was all said and done, guess what? The competition got thinned out for the presidency. He conquered his foes. We can do more good in our prayer closet than we can on Facebook or on our computer or on our text or on our phone. Just calling out to God and asking Him to avenge us. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Think about this tonight. The greatest defense we have is that of prayer. No gun, no security system, no lock can protect us like prayer. Think about this. We lock our doors. We set the alarm. We load the gun. We turn the lights, security lights on. We do all these things, but we don't pray. It would be like taking our family to the roughest neighborhood in this country and letting our children run down the street unattended and leaving our wives at home with the door unlocked. Verse 25, then Darius wrote, I'm done. To all the neighbors. I've said that like six times, but... I'm really done now. This is what prayer can do. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, languages that dwell on all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion my king men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that which, that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now, there's just a little hint there. It's the last three words. Cyrus the Persian. I, gotta, I could preach a whole sermon on this, but this is amazing. You know later on, Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Y'all remember them? They're the ones that led them out of captivity. But you know what stirred the heart of the king in their day? Was he read the decree that Darius wrote in reference to Daniel. Now follow me. That was all the results of a man praying. He changed the future. You say, oh, but what is to be, will to be, and what ain't to be won't never happen. That's just a good bluegrass song. That ain't Bible truth. Amen. Y'all ever heard that bluegrass song? What it to be is. Anyway, I might sing it one day for you. But anyhow, I might get Dylan to play it on the guitar and we'll sing a duet. 
But, but I, want, I want you to know, I can take the Bible. We can look. God was going to wipe out the Hebrew children. But Moses said, I'd rather you take my name, block my name out. And God repented of him. He changed his heart. He changed his mind. I'm saying this, that prayer can change the future. Amen. If you got a lost family member, you should pray for them until they're dying breath because you can change their future. There are people in this room right now who are on their way to hell and this church began to pray and I believe with all my heart if we hadn't have prayed, they would have gone to hell. Amen. Amen. But God took the prayer of His people and changed the course of their life and change the future. I'm going to close with this. 30 days. You know why Daniel kept praying? Because it was a habit. Good habits are hard to make and easy to break. Bad habits, bad habits are easy to make and hard to break. Did you know this? That if you do something for 30 days... That it'll become, it'll become a habit. Habits are formed. Life schedules are made. Why did the devil not want him to pray for 30 days? Because he knew if he didn't pray for 30 days, he'd get out of it. I wonder what God would do with this church if we just said 30 days. Now, this is a heavy, I know this is a lot to ask of us. And I know it's better not to make a bow than to make one break. So I'm not going to ask anybody to sign a card. We're not going to start a fire and go burn our sticks in the fire. But I wonder if anyone, I believe if one person got serious about praying and said for 30 days, evening, morning, and noon, I'm going to open my window. I'm going to talk to God. You say, what should I pray for? Well, you can pray for your church. Won't you, I mean, you can break it up. Nine o'clock, I'm going to pray for my family, my children. And not generally speaking, but specifically speaking. I'm going to pray for my wife. I'm going to pray for my husband. I'm going to pray for my grandchildren, my nieces, my nephews, my aunts, my uncles, my brothers, my sisters, my cousins, my neighbors. And at noon, I'm going to pray for my church. I'm going to pray for my pastor. I'm going to pray for my brother, my sisters in Christ. Maybe you want to pick one person in the church to pray for. And just watch and see if God doesn't do something miraculous in their life. I guarantee if you and I were to pick just one person and not even tell them and say, I'm going to make it my goal to pray for them for 30 days. Today, I wrote it down because I knew it would be. Today's July, so that'd be August the 6th. I wonder what testimonies we could have. I know what Daniel's was. Hey, I got thrown in the den of lions and they didn't bite me. What would our testimony be if we had to commit to that type of praying?